Who likes to wait? Who likes waiting? Yeah, awesome. Uh, who consider yourself a very patient person? Okay, what is your favorite place to wait? Okay, so the, uh, the drive-thru at McDonald's, do you just love waiting the drive-thru? What about the DMV? Yeah, we all love the DMV, right? Um, the doctor's office, they charge us crazy amounts of money, and they make us wait for an hour past the appointment. But if you're five minutes late, you're in huge trouble, correct? You're making the doctor wait. No, I'm not. He's napping, and we all know it. We hate to wait, right? We hate waiting. But the question is, is, is why do we hate to wait? Um, so many years ago, I think I was about nine, we went to Paramount King's Dominion. Do you guys know where that is? One person said, yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it is an amusement park. It's in Virginia. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's like a mini Disney World, okay? Much larger than Branson, okay? But like somewhere in the middle. It's in the middle somewhere, okay? Um, it's got, uh, it's large, has, you know, these huge rides. It's got good themes to it, okay? Because, you know, it's Paramount, right? So it's based off of movies, right? It's exciting. Well, I was about nine, we went with a group, and somehow at the beginning, we're playing games, and I got separated from the group, okay? So this group, uh, it was being led by my sister, and so she kind of took the whole group off, and I found myself alone. Now, at that age, I was still uh, an old man at heart, even at nine, so I wasn't exactly freaked out, but I had this kind of dilemma to figure out, okay? Do I stay here and wait for them to come back, right? Parents, if, if you lose a child, what's, you know, you go back to the last place that you saw them, correct? Okay. Since I was that child, I was thinking to myself, do I sit here and wait for them to realize I'm gone? Do I believe that they're actually going to think to come back here, okay? And if so, how long am I willing to wait on that to happen? Five minutes later, I was gone. I decided that those odds are a little bit short for me, so I'm just going to go ahead and just wander the entire park on my own. So I spent the entire day all on my own. What's interesting about that, though, was I actually went to this roller coaster, and that line was eight and a half hours long. The longest line I've ever waited in in my entire life. What was it called? What was it called? Um, volcano eruption or volcano something. It was a volcano with a roller coaster coming out of it. Like it would have sounds and steam and fire and you would come out of the volcano. Worth eight hours, every bit of it. The ride lasted 38 seconds. It was, it was, it was tremendous. But I spent the entire day waiting in that line. Now what happened here is this, okay? It's not that I wasn't willing to wait. The question was, what am I willing to wait for? Am I willing to trust my sister, who I love very dearly, but am I willing to trust and wait on her thinking that she will actually come back here to get me? Is that even worth waiting for? Yeah. Or do I wait to be shot out of a flaming volcano? Yeah, right? I mean, again, I was nine. It was worth it, okay? So it's not that we won't wait for anything. But it's just that we won't wait for some things. It's all about 
how we assess the situation. What value do we see? Do we really think this person's going to come back here? Do we? Is that really going to happen? And so in waiting for all of us, we all find ourselves unwilling to wait. There is a, a stress, a strain when we have to wait. Um, and Advent is all about this word. Advent is all about the word waiting. We wait. Now, think about Christmas, okay? What is the hardest part for your children? Waiting. Okay. Who here, as parents, who puts their presents wrapped out by the tree early? Like weeks. You guys are torturing your children, <laughs> okay? You, you wrap them in the nice paper with the bow, and you make them stare at it and just wait. And the expectation builds, and, the, you know, the anxiety builds. And then, you know, when you're not looking, they shake it, you know? And then their mind, okay, well, that, that's definitely a, 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 you know, a sweater. Who cares about that one? And, oh, well, this one sounds really good. And then, again, what you're doing is like, you know, it's kind of painful for them. Like you're causing them to just have to, yeah, right? And, of course, you know, you will have that one kid who will open them and see every gift and then put it back in the box, all right? Who was that? Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot more than I expected. That takes a lot of self-control to be able to open it, to pull it out, to see it. Now, what's so weird about this is that the excitement isn't just what you get. It's in the waiting. It's in the knowing, right? So all of you, you know, you oddies who decide to open it up and pull it out and then put it back, there's something special about it. Just, I just want to know what's in there. I can wait to play with it, but I can't wait to know, right? There's something about, I need to know what I'm waiting for. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? So when it comes to waiting, we have all these different strains and stresses to waiting. You know, why is waiting so hard for us? Um, there's a quote I want to read to you guys. Barbara Brown Taylor. Let's go ahead and read this. Here's what it says. So, if waiting is an aggravation, it is at least partly because we do not like being reminded of our limits. If waiting is hard, it's because it reminds us that there's limitations on us. We like doing, earning, buying, selling, building, planting, driving, baking, making things happen, whereas waiting is essentially a matter of being, stopping, sitting, listening, looking, breathing, wondering, praying. It can feel pretty helpless to wait for someone or something that is not here yet. And that will or will not arrive in its own good time, which is not the same thing as our good time. And yet, waiting is an essential part of the Christian life. Listen to what we say every time we break bread together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. This is the mystery of our faith, that we are always waiting for Christ to come to us, even though we believe He's already come and that He is coming to us right now in word and sacrament. Now, that's a very rich paragraph, okay? I don't expect us to, to soak it all in, but there's a few things I want to talk about here. 
So with Advent, we talk about waiting. And, and often with this, we always have to go back uh, you know, to, to the history of it. What's happening in, in the Christmas story that we read? And so the one thing that we understand here, we know that they have been waiting for a very, very long time. And so we talk about all the years and all the, all the times that Israel's been conquered, all the times that they've been, you know, they've been taken away, they've been, they've been harmed, they've been killed, they've been murdered, they've been hunted, all these terrible things. We talk about these things, and it kind of gives us a little bit of an ability to, to, you know, connect to them. But the one thing that's so interesting about that is the way that we connect to the story, the way that we say, oh man, it's probably so hard for Israel. We do it in a way where it's almost as if we don't believe that we can relate to them. The weird thing about Advent is that it's not just that we connect to the way Israel used to wait for God. The hard thing about Advent, the ironic thing about Advent, is that most of us don't even realize that we are in the exact same position that they were then. We're waiting. We are waiting on God. It seems like most of the times that we talk about God, we talk about God as if everything of Him and everything He has for us is already here right now. And there's a weird tension there, right? There's a weird tension to where Christ, He did come as a baby. We all talk about the baby, right? came in the babies in the manger, correct? And then we talk about He grew up and then He what? He died, right? And then He rose again, which is great and exciting, but where did He go? He went, right? He didn't stay. He left. And we talk about Jesus as if he's still right here. When we pray about things, when we talk about things, when we, when we think about God in churches, we talk about him as if he's, he's here right now. And in some weird way, he is here. But if, is there anyone else in your lives who you talk about being present with you the way we talk about God? If you couldn't get a hold of me when you needed to get a hold of me, if you couldn't see me when you needed to see me, if you couldn't hear me speak, or if you couldn't touch me or, or you know, text me, would you really tell someone else, oh yeah, he's here? Of course not. And so we have this, this odd space that God leaves us in. We, we have a God who came for us, and a God who was with us, but a God right now who's not here the way we want him to be here. And I think sometimes we don't know how to handle the in-between. There's the in-between, I think, is the hardest part for us in all of this. Because the in-between is this. Either I act as if God is here all the time. I'm just going to act like he's always here. Things are, he's always present. He always answers my prayers. He always shows up. He always answers. He's always there when I need him. Has God always been there for you when you needed him? That's a question. Come on, nod or shake your head. Has God always been there for you when you needed him? Everyone's so nervous. I'm not going <laughs> to. I think that would be the more honest answer, though, right? Because what's happening in your head is this. In your head, you're saying, well, 
he hasn't done what I wanted him to do, or he hasn't been here the way I wanted him to be here, but yeah, he's here in some way, right? <laughs> that, that most of us? So we're just going, yeah. And so again, we tend to go to extremes, right? So we either say God is always here, everything's always right, he's always answering prayers, he's always at work for us, or we go to the other extreme. We say God has abandoned me, Correct? And we hardly ever have a space in between. And sometimes when we even talk about our lives, we talk about times of our lives where God was so with us and things were going well. And then we talk about seasons that we go through, right? And we talk about these seasons of loss or pain or darkness as if God just kind of floated away. But the problem with this is that we don't know how to handle the in-between. We don't know how to handle God who's with us and God who's away from us. We don't know how to understand that. We don't know how to relate to that. We don't like in-betweens at all. And when you wait, there's something about waiting which is, it puts us just in the worst place possible for humans. See, waiting, it, for me to wait on anything or anyone, it creates an obstacle. It creates, it's a hindrance to me getting what I want. When I wait, there's this feeling when I wait. When I wait, it feels like everything is passing me by. Have you guys ever felt like that before? When I'm waiting, I feel like things are just they're going past me. Like, I feel like I'm missing out. If I wait too long, I could miss the opportunity. If I wait too long, I could miss my chance at this. If I wait too long, I could lose out on time. For us to slow down, it makes us feel as if we are missing out on something. Now, I have hated this coach search this year because I've been on Twitter way too much. Who else has been just like, like on your phones checking it nonstop? Okay. Just all the time. And you're like, oh, well, that school just got a coach and that school just got a coach. Oh, and you know, this coach, we wanted that coach, and now they're gone. Who are we going to get now? And if we wait too long, we're not going to get anyone. Correct? Yes, absolutely. And so you get anxious because you're just going, we're missing out. You don't understand. you got to jump. you got to go because if you don't go now, someone else is going to get it. If you don't go now, someone else is going to get what you want. If you wait too long, it's going to be too late. And so we're talking about all these big concepts and ideas, but what waiting comes down to is this. It comes down to this tension of, if I wait, I could miss out. If I wait, I don't know if what I'm waiting for is as good as what I could jump and get right now. That eight and a half hour line that I waited in, the reason I jumped in that line Okay? It's because I walked down, I saw the huge line, <laughs> I saw the ride, and I'm going to go, oh, that, that, that looks good. And then I turn around, and I see a huge line of people coming to get in line. So what did I do? Jumped in that line. Absolutely right. Because you know what? What happens if I hesitate? What happens if I don't jump in line right now? What could I miss out on? And so, of course, I ended up waiting for eight, eight and a half hours. It was beautiful, right? And so waiting is this, this terrible place for us. And so what happens also in waiting is this. When you're waiting, 
You're making yourself dependent. when, When you wait, you are now reliant on the person you're waiting for. See, at at that park, if I would have waited at that park, if I would have waited on her, there is a chance she could have been there in five minutes, right? There's also a chance I could have been waiting there for five hours. Fair? And if I'm waiting for five hours, what am I going to miss out on if I'm stuck here waiting this entire time? And the worst thing about waiting is this. When you wait, it causes everything else to slow down. For example, when you're waiting at the DMV, what are you doing? What do you do to pass the time? Come on, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely, every one of you, right? Phones, right? You just sit there with your phone, right? There's something about waiting. Okay, imagine waiting in the early 90s, okay? Okay, what did you do in the early 90s when you were waiting? Eight and a half hours waiting for this ride. What were you doing for eight and a half hours? No, I was not talking to anyone around me. No. <laughs> nice try. Absolutely not. Don't make eye contact. Look at the ground. No. You are alone with yourself. There are a few people who you don't want to be around as much as you don't want to be around yourself. <laughs> be honest. When you, I mean... Just imagine being stuck at the DMV for two hours with no phone. Just think about it. No magazines, no nothing. You're just stuck there. So the first half hour you spent, you know, trying not to judge everybody else. Correct? Okay, gotcha. Okay. But the rest of that time, you are, you are left with your own thoughts, with your own feelings. It's amazing what starts to come out when you can't move, right? Um, my son Liam, he does not like spankings but he hates timeout. Oh, he hates timeout. If I tell him timeout, man, his body just begins to flail, and he just kicks and, ah! I, he hates it. He can't, he, he cannot contain himself to sit in one spot for five minutes. If he's going to sit still, I'm going to have to sit there with him and like hold his hand, you know, like entertain him, kind of, you know, you know, have a tight hug to make sure he doesn't move. You know, we have, to, we have to stay still. And it's the hardest thing for him. And for all of us, though, there's something about that. When we wait, things, us, us begins to kind of come to the top. Who we really are. Thoughts and, and feelings come to the top. We even do this in churches. Have you ever been in a service? I just felt like it was moving too slow. Like, okay. We've been greeting people for three minutes. I'm good. It's time to, time to move on, right? It doesn't matter how boring the sermon might be. Let's just get to something new. Let's just keep this thing moving. Because what happens if we slow down too much? Same problem. We're left with ourselves. And, and so here's the problem with, with, with most of our situations. Most of us have no idea how to wait for anything. It's not in our culture to wait, right? We don't wait for anything. We go get it. We make sure that we are proactive, right? We are trying. We are exerting energy, and we are we're moving. We are movers and shakers, right? No, <laughs> no one tends to get a promotion for being a really good waiter, 
man, you were waiting. Like, you know, he just sat in your office and did so good just doing nothing. So proud of you. But see, Advent challenges us. Because see, the problem with, with waiting is that you will only wait if you need to wait. Meaning, you will only wait if you must wait. You will only wait if there's a reason that you just have to wait. There has to be something, right? When you're at the DMV and you know, if I, whew, I just can't take it, but if I get in my car and drive, I know Todd's going to pull me over. It's going to happen. I just, I need what they have. I need this. I know I have to do this. I know I have to do this. But, ah, oh, and the only times we wait is when there's something that we need so bad that it, it forces us. It slows us down. And so in this, as we talk about waiting, this is the first Sunday of Advent. I got the candle. Now, you, you always have to wonder if this is going to go really badly. Beautiful. So candles, what do we do candles for? So we have the four Sundays of Advent. And what we do is we are kind of counting down. Each Sunday, we light a new candle. And again, it's a way of allowing us to kind of connect to the waiting. Okay. One week down. Two weeks down. Three weeks down. But I used to wonder about the candles. Why do we do candles? Why do we wait with candles? I don't understand that. We could do all sorts of different things to you know, have a ceremony about waiting. Now, when and where do you need light? When would a candle come in handy for you? Okay. If we were to walk outside right now with these candles, would they be useful for you? A candle, light, is valuable in darkness. And see, the reason that few of us see the value in Advent and in, in, in waiting, in the ugly, in the... It's so much easier to just pretend as if everything's okay, right? It's so much better to pretend as if we do believe God is with us every day. We posted the title of this series. Oh, it, the one time I turned around something. Um, we posted the title of this series online, and we had some people who were like, what in the world are you talking about? God is nowhere, everywhere, you know. Yes, okay. Thank you for that. appreciate that. The point is that we're not talking about the, the metaphysics of God. We're talking about the emotions of being human. And see, the truth is, is that every one of you in this room has had a place where you truly in your heart believed that God was nowhere, that God had absolutely turned his back on you. He had abandoned you. He had left you, if he was real at all. Because if he loved me, if he was a God who was real, if he could heal, if he could be present, if, 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 then he would have taken care of this. This would not have happened if God was everywhere. If God was here, if God was loving, then this wouldn't be real right now. And see, the hardest part about Advent is it forces us to look into the darkness a little bit. It forces you to open up the closets of your life, right? Like, what do you keep 
in that closet? What is the stuff that you keep jammed down? Like, what is it when you're at the DMV and you just have to keep your phone up and you have to keep something moving? Because if I slow down too much, I don't know if I'm going to like what comes to the surface. So for me, one of the spiritual practices that I hate the most is silence. You know, it's actually a Christian spiritual discipline to be silent. Do you guys know that? Some of the Christians have been doing it for thousands of years. They practice being quiet. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, man, the things that start bouncing around in your head when you can't just blabber. The things that start coming up when you can't take your attention somewhere else, when you can't keep your brain spinning, when you can't keep your emotions off on something different. When you're not allowed to eat away the frustration, right? Can't go stress shopping, correct? You can't go uh, vent on somebody on Facebook to feel better, correct? Come on. When you have to just be alone with yourself just for a few minutes, it is some of the most painful things because there are things that we are running from, but we forgot that we were running from them. There are things that we, that we have sped up our life to stay away from. And if we slow down just enough, those things are going to catch up to us. There are memories and experiences and desires and pains and, and things that we would just rather just stay just far enough away from us. But if I have to wait, if I have to slow down, they might catch us. See, there's something about waiting in line for that roller coaster. Yes, I was waiting. Yes, it was boring at times. But I had something to take my mind off of it. See, if I sat there on that bench, I would start thinking about how many people were in this park. I started thinking about the odds of me being able to find that van on my own if I needed to get back to the vehicle. Thinking about how uncomfortable it would be if I had to go to, you know, had to go to guest services and, you know, like, you know have them say my name over the, the, the intercom, whatever. I would have to think, I would have to embrace really how kind of terrible my situation was. You know, I was nine, you know. But if I have something else to take my mind off of things, I'll be okay. And so here's the thing for most of us. Most of us have stopped waiting for God. Most of us, we have a semblance of our lives that looks like we are leaning on God. But the truth is, is that we decided it wasn't worth the wait. Because if I wait for God, if I lean on God, that means that I can't fix things on my own. If I wait for God, that means I might miss out on this opportunity. I might miss out. I might sit back and watch life pass me by. And so there's two questions for us this morning. Here's the first one. When it comes to waiting, what keeps us waiting? Meaning, what is it for you that is, that is the motivation that keeps you waiting on God? We read the stories about Simeon and Anna this morning. With Anna, the details are so crucial. You see that she was married for seven years, but then it says her age and says that she'd been a widow. What happened? She's she either divorced or he died, correct? Those are both moments when you feel like God is right there with you, amen? My husband died, 
My husband left me. Oh, God is right there with me. Amen. No? No. Those are the moments when you feel like God is nowhere to be found. And that's the background for her. That's her little... And so this is her story. This is what's real to her. But yet she was waiting for something. There was something that kept her waiting. There was something that kept her at the temple. Something that kept her willing to wait for God. Something strong enough to keep her tethered there, waiting for God. But then the second question is, what is keeping us from waiting? Meaning there are some things for us, if we hold on to those things, those are the things that will keep us cemented where we are when things want to move us. But then there are things in our lives that are the things that keep us from waiting, things that kind of nudge us and push us and urge us to move. And so for all of us this morning, the question is this, are we still waiting? Are we still waiting, God? Have we given up waiting for God? And the way that you know if you're waiting or not, you know if you're waiting or not, if you know how in touch you are with what's inside. Are you in touch with the darkness that's inside your life? The only reason that you will be willing to wait for light, the only, the only way that you will be willing to wait on God in your life is if you are in touch with your need to wait for God, if you are in touch with the darkness that is going on inside of you. That's cheery, amen? Would you guys stand with me? This sermon's been very interesting for me because, you know, as we talk about waiting, you know, it's one of those things I, I, I kind of have to go there myself first before I lead us there. And waiting, <laughs> it doesn't matter what your situation is in life. You can be a pastor and do all sorts of spiritual looking things and still be running full speed, not willing to slow down. And so this morning, the challenge for us is this. How in touch are you with the darkness that you face in your life? How in touch are you with the reasons that you need God in your life? Are you willing to go exploring in the dark? Are you willing to explore the things in your heart, in your mind, in your past, those things that you try to keep locked with? Are you willing to open the door to those things? Because the answer is this. If you're not waiting for God, the, the reason you're not waiting for God is you've found ways to keep the, that stuff just locked away and safe. And so waiting is a dangerous thing. Because for me to be willing to wait, for me to be willing to, to, to lock my feet and to not be willing to move until God shows, it means that I also have to be embracing, holding, if you would, all of the pain and the junk that I need him to show up for.